welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. But let's quickly go to the book of Acts. I'm going to read from Acts number four, and uh, we're going to get into it. And um, we're going to do something just at the end. I'm going to speak for about 10 or 15 minutes today. And, um, and then we're just going to have a little bit of worship at the end, if that's all right. Is that good? Was that Siri? Amening my preaching. Thank you. Let's read Acts chapter 4. I want to read a, I want to read a little bit of, um, of the text today from verse number 1 through to about verse number 14. But um, for those of you that don't know what's happened in this story, Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 were on their way to the temple to pray. As was their custom, they would go as good Jewish people, they would go twice a day to pray at the temple um, at about 9am and also at about 3pm. As they were on their way to their 9am prayer meeting, they, um, there was a lame man that was set out before the gates um, of the temple, the entrance of the temple to beg for money. The Bible tells us, excuse me, that as they were, um, as they were going there, some, something happened. So they began to pray. They looked at this lame man as he asked for alms. I don't have arms as in money. That's the New King James Version, not those arms. It was his legs that weren't working. So many good dad jokes going on right now in my head. Um, and long story short, he got miraculously healed. Miracle, an astonishing miracle happened. The man that was lame, that was sitting outside the temple, is now walking and leaping. He is praising God. He is running in and out of the temple. He is bringing an undignified praise because that's what happens when you and I experience the living presence, the resurrection power of Jesus. The joy and the praise is uncontainable to the point and... and certainly was the case for this man, that it breaks all social, cultural and spiritual religious norms when you really get an encounter with God. Your hunger and your passion, and I'm not talking about just making noise for the sake of it, but I'm talking about an adequate response to the working of the Spirit that is happening in your life. Can we just have a pastoral moment for a moment? Because I believe that that, I believe the reflection of our praise and worship is a direct reflection of our personal revelation and encounter and interaction with Jesus. The hunger in the church, the hunger in your life that just bubbles over is in direct correlation with your relationship with Him. Now, please hear me. People have different personalities and they want to express in different ways. And I'm cool with different expressions of praise and worship. We're not trying to box praise and worship into hand lifting and jumping in the fast songs. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to box in 
your agreement by how many amens you give the preacher on a Sunday morning. But what we are certainly saying is that when Jesus touches your life, the real Jesus, when Jesus touches your life, there is an overflow out of that that is uncontainable. And it supersedes personality. It supersedes style. It trumps all of that and just bubbles out and makes a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. And so this miracle's happened, it's gone crazy, and now we pick it up in verse number four. Check this out, Uh, chapter number four, verse one. Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Being greatly disturbed, they taught the people, sorry, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and they put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So plus women and children, which is just how they um, calculated back in those times. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, the elders and the scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, And as many as were of the family of the high priests were gathered together at Jerusalem. And and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, listen to this, filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers and people, rulers of the, sorry, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for doing a a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means has he, has, sorry, let me read that again. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which you rejected, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there any salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Come on, did you hear that? God's Word's amazing. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and realising that they had been, sorry, and they realised that they had been with Jesus. They realised that they had been with Jesus. I want to just simply talk to you today um, in, in a later week, we'll really kind of exegete this text a little further. But for the sake of who's in the, in, the, in the room today, I want to talk to you today about what it means to be with Jesus. The hallmark, the thing that changes us from being a social club to being the church of Jesus Christ is simply that we have been with Jesus. Jesus. I remember a number of years ago, many, many years ago, um, Alicia and I were um, 
in a situation where we were we were actually uh, taking over a cleaning business. It's a long story short. Ask me about it sometime. Long story short, we were uh, purchasing a cleaning business and we were doing a transition with with um, with a lady and her husband um, or partner. And sadly, because the partner had cancer, and we were very like we're like a couple of months into Melbourne at that time, and and uh, and uh, we just so we didn't really know that many people. But one of the things that really amazed me is they were very involved in their local football club. They were very involved in the local cricket club, and. It blew my mind to see the community gather around this man that had cancer and support him financially and support them with meals and do a whole lot of things that we as the church do. And I think that's wonderful. Praise God for our different clubs and groups and all the rest of it and General community. The general community, despite what we might be told to believe, is a pretty loving place. It really is. But it made me think as I was reading about this story today, as I was thinking about what it means about the difference between a cricket club that cares and the church that also cares, the one Definition: the one defining thing about us and any other club in the world should be that we've been with Jesus. This story comes on the back of, a, of an amazing miracle. And there's no doubt we as the church, as Christians, I know I am on a regular basis and praying, we're believing for miracles. We're believing for an atmosphere, for an environment of miracles. Have we wondered, have you, you've heard this quote before. Um, you've heard this quote, if you've been in the church for a little while, you would have heard people say, you know, that's, it's, miracles are easier in Africa. Miracles are easier in, in different parts of third world country. And I believe that there's truth in that statement. And let me explain to you why. I believe that there's truth in that statement because there's a depth about their spirituality that is deeper than our consumer version of Christianity. We're busy praying for miracles, but sometimes I wonder if our lack of miracles is connected to our lack of maturity. You need to write that down. Write it down as a question for, your, for yourself to ask later. Are the lack of miracles in my life connected to the lack or to the immaturity, to the lack of maturity in my life? I wonder if it's actually the Lord protecting us. <laughs> I wonder if, are you with me this morning? I wonder if it is actually the Lord, this is going to sound weird, it's going to sound controversial, I'm just putting out a concept, I want you to think, don't shoot me down, I can sense the daggers, but I wonder if the lack of miracles is connected to our lack of maturity. Because any time a miracle happens in the book of Acts, there are always at least two different crowds that are present. Therefore, there are always two different responses that take place. One, like we saw in Acts chapter 3, there are people that want to worship and deify Peter and John as the miracle workers. That 
then because they were godly, Peter and John um, had been with Jesus. They said, this isn't of us. This is of Jesus. You've got to get saved. That's why thousands were added to the church in that moment right? But the other crowd, there are those that love the miracle. And then then there are those like we see in chapter four here that are disturbed by the miracle. There are those that are upset by the miracle. They are disrupted by the miracle. And whenever the church disrupts something that the enemy sees as a foothold, there is always a public retaliation. This is why I believe that maybe the Lord in His wisdom and grace is withholding miracles from us because our maturity in the things of Jesus is not quite ready to go through the persecution that is followed by a miracle. So what is the goal? Stop praying for miracles? Not at all. The goal is to work out how do we become mature believers? How do we deepen our walk with the Lord? Now, I'm not saying God doesn't do miracles. We see miracles all the time. God is great. This isn't an anti-miracle message. This is a pro-maturity message. This isn't getting you to stop praying for miracles. Please don't hear my, please hear my heart. <laughs> please hear my heart. My heart is that we should believe every time there's a sickness. Let's not reach for neurofin. Let's reach for the power of the Holy Ghost first. Every time there's a diagnosis, let's not reach for, for, for the, the doctor's number. Let's reach for the promises of God in Scripture and let's declare them over our lives first and foremost. Let's have a good, healthy partnership, a balanced approach to that whole medical space, right? For sure. I'm all for that. But what I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, um, uh, I'm not trying to say, well, we're not ready for, uh, I'm not, trying to say God's not going to do miracles. I'm trying to say we need to prepare ourselves as His body, the church in the earth, for the greatest outpouring that has ever happened since Azusa Street because God wants to do it in you. He wants to do it for you. He wants to do it through you. But God is requiring you to be prepared and to be ready. And what does that mean? That means you've got to be with Jesus. You've got to be with Jesus. I told you a couple of weeks ago that I've been talking about, I've been thinking about habitats and what then God fills those habitats with. So God, there's a biblical principle that God created the sea and then then He filled it with fish. God created the sky, then He filled it with birds, right? God created vegetation. Then He made something to fill and to, you know, fill the earth, the animals, etc. And I've been reading, looking for that principle. And I suppose I saw in Acts chapter 1, uh, in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chap- chapter 3, we see the, the habitat of prayer gets filled with the habitation of miracles. But the habitat of miracles invites and welcomes a habitation of persecution. And maybe, maybe, maybe 
we're not ready for the persecution. Maybe, maybe not, maybe we are. How do we get ready for that? Because persecution is not for the faint-hearted. There's pressure around persecution. <laughs> what a family-friendly service. <laughs> but I'm trying to help you to see like your Christianity isn't just this nice thing that's meant to just, just kind of be nice and comfortable all the time. You're gonna go through ups and downs. You're gonna go through seasons where you don't feel anything of the Holy Spirit for different seasons of your life. And if you're someone that doesn't have the maturity to understand that the Holy Spirit is far more than a feeling, in fact, He's not a feeling, He just, we just have feelings when we, we just, when we encounter Him. And if you're always looking, oh, you know, as a young worship leader, I used to always think, oh, I just didn't, I just didn't feel like I got that breakthrough or that moment or whatever the case might be. And then I realised that worship wasn't actually about me and my feelings. Worship was actually about Jesus and His glory and who He is and honouring Him despite my feelings. That's why David was the greatest worshipper ever because he said things like, my soul will bless the Lord at all times. What's he saying? He's saying, I've got the spiritual maturity to know that even though I'm feeling really sucky right now and down and, and it's hard and Saul's persecuting me, even though I've been anointed the king of Israel by the prophet, I've had these amazing moments. I brought down Goliath, but right now I'm hiding in a cave. But David had the depth and the maturity to realise and to have this heart that said, my soul will bless the Lord at all times, high times, low times times, before giant times in, in fields playing a guitar to sheep times. You know what I'm talking about. Whatever the times are, we've got to realise that, that, um, that, that this walk is not for the faint hearted. Pressure might come. It's not for the weekend worshipper. And this is why no matter how old you are, I want to implore you to start a relationship with Jesus and end your relationship with the church. Start a relationship with Jesus. End a relationship with religion. Start a relationship with the Holy Spirit. End that relationship with Sunday attendance. Like I'm not saying don't come. You know my heart. You're all here. If you've got questions, we can talk later over a blend 43. You know my heart. Come to church. It's good for you. It's healthy. It's, it's a, a part of our worship. It's what we do as believers. It's important to be in community, blah, 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 disclaimer. But friend, if that is the extent you're going to miss it. I want to quickly just zoom in on this, then we're going to finish. I want you, let's write these four things down, actually, then we'll really finish. Number one, presence of the Holy Spirit. Presence of Holy Spirit. Number two, prayer. Get your phones out, write this down. I know you've all got devices. MJ, write it down, bud. Come on. You have, you can write it down on that. Ella, come on. Don't make me call you by name, people. Any other parents want the microphone? 
Presence of Holy Spirit, number one. Number two, prayer. Number three, the Bible. And number four, community. Verse number 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. When you study that phrase, uneducated and untrained men, you realise that it pertains specifically to them um, them not knowing the Torah, not graduating the Jewish religious system. They shouldn't have really been there. They shouldn't have really had the words to say at the right time. Remember in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, don't worry when you're before the rulers of this world. I'll fill your mouth with the right words at the right time. The anointing of God is gonna come on you. The enabling power of God's gonna come upon you. Because they were standing before people. This is what you gotta see. This is what the Holy Spirit does when He comes upon you. He breaks all systemic fear out of your life so that you can stand before people in love but boldly declare truth, the truth of Jesus to them. This isn't about a Jerry Springer episode where you're like, I'm just gonna tell my truth because the Holy Ghost is on me. This is about God's glory, not your argument. You with me? When they, 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 they perceived that they were untrained and uneducated men and they marveled and they realised that, and they realised that they had been with Jesus. Those four things, that's what I want you to practice this week. What does it mean to be with Jesus? It's really simple. It means to be and invite and come into awareness of the presence of Holy Spirit. It's about being. It's not, listen to me. There are times where I want to encourage you to get away. Get away before the Lord and spend an hour, spend two, spend 20 minutes, whatever that is, that timing is for you. Try and go for more. <laughs> like we've kind of dumbed it right down and said, just even if it's five minutes. No, no. Come on, the old school, Leonard Ravenhill, who was a, who would preached on prayer pretty heavy. He'd be like, if the man of God is not preaching for two hours, uh, praying for two hours a day, he's a failure and should quit the ministry. <laughs> Quite literally. Don't read that book before a Sunday morning if you're a preacher. Um, but the truth is, is you, you can pray for an hour. Maybe not at the start, but it's like getting on the treadmill. Just do a minute more each time, five minutes more. Be in the presence of Holy Spirit. So there are those times, right, where you've got to go away and you've got to shut your door. Matthew chapter six teaches us and you've got to get in that place where you're with the Holy Spirit. But friend, I think another whole angle to this thing, the flip side of that coin, is you practising the presence of Holy Spirit in every day. Is when you're in your workplace, take a moment. Holy Spirit, I believe you're here right now. Sometimes when I'm writing emails, Holy Spirit, I believe you're here right now. When I'm in a cafe, if you've had a coffee with me, man, I, I'm talking about Jesus all the time. I was having a coffee with Lennon this week. He started twitching. The Holy Spirit's in this place. 
He said, man, I just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit right now. That wasn't me. That was us talking about the things of God because it's not about this room and it's not even just about a prayer room. It's about acknowledging the presence of Holy Spirit. And we've, we've made the Holy Spirit something that works really good in this room. But He does His best work outside of this room. In, the, in whatever room you need to go to for work, in your lounge room, God wants to fill. And so we've got to practice the presence of Holy Spirit. Number one, prayer. Prayer is a non-negotiable. Did you hear what I said? Prayer is a non-negotiable. Your, the, your spiritual maturity is directly connected to these things. It is certainly connected to your prayer life. If you do not have a prayer life, then you do not have a passion for Jesus. We must be a praying people. I'm not saying that to condemn. I do hope the Holy Spirit convicts. I say it with love. I don't know how to, I don't know how to pray. Let us help you on that journey. Get around other people that can help you on that journey in prayer. I'm trying to help you to see that just like you and I in our flesh need to breathe, inhale and exhale, prayer is the same way, is the same thing for our, for the, for our belief and our relationship with Jesus. We must be people of prayer. You must be a praying person to the point that the Apostle Paul encourages us to pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Prayer without ceasing isn't about joining a monastery necessarily and devoting your life just to prayer, although if you feel called to do that, go ahead. But it's about this awareness, like we are talking about Holy Spirit, that everything is a prayerful act that you're praying. Number three, the Bible. We're talking about being with Jesus. Maybe this is why John, who was silent but present in this moment, wrote in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Verse number six of John chapter one says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled, took up residence in the neighbourhood, the message says. Jesus, the Word, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God and the Word became flesh, speaking of Jesus. And so for us to say that we've been with Jesus, we've been with Jesus is to say that we've been with our Bibles, is that we've been with God's Word. You know, the Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, I know, as I've studied over the years, I know that there are a lot of people that are very academic. They're knowledgeable in the Scriptures. We see this first hand right here, that there's a crowd of very qualified, educated Bible people. But what we don't need is the, lo the Logos Word doesn't produce faith in us. It's the Rhema Word. 
There's two words for word in the Bible. One's logos, one's rhema. Logos means written. Theology, theo, God, logos, word, written word, right? Ology, that's where it comes from. It's the study of God's word. But faith doesn't come by hearing the logos. Faith comes by hearing the rhema. The rhema is the spirit-inspired spoken word of God. Now, one of the primary places that God speaks to you, his spoken rhema word, is found in his logos. He wants to speak to you. He wants to shape your character. He wants to break off addictions. He wants to change your mind. He wants to transform you from the inside out. He wants to empower you in such a way that you're free to live the life that you know you're called to live. And the way he's going to do that is by putting his rhema on his logos. And the last one is community. Is that God, they were with Remember, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about that sense of togetherness. This is where I think whilst it's legal and while we can, Sunday church should not be something that we compromise. I just don't think it should. I think it should be something that we're committed to as believers that we get together in this way in worship. But then the other side of this coin too is is that we are surrounding ourselves with people where we are going to grow and be challenged and pray and, uh, and be, be discipled together by the Holy Spirit and keep each other accountable and grow in the things of God. The most primary unit of community is a thing called family. That's why the enemy is trying to get us to Uh, say everything else is family in our society at the moment. Accept everything so they can break down the true value of family. But come on, we're responsible for the discipleship of our children first and foremost. You know, your children do not fall under the covering of this church. Your children fall under your own spiritual covering of which Christ is the head, okay? They don't fall under me. They don't need my permission to go and, you know, we don't do that kind of out of covering thing in this church. The head is Jesus. We all serve Him. Our heart is to disciple so that you can discern and so that you can hear the voice of God. But we hear in the context of community because community is where accountability takes place. Are you with me? Community is important. Community is where discipleship happens. Community, in fact, you've heard me teach about this a lot. It is impossible to be the church and not be in community. Amen. Come on, let's stand up and let's pray. Presence of the Holy Spirit, prayer, the Bible, community. Let's pray.
Would you just, just close your eyes? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Spirit 
just a moment. We've just got to lean into in this moment. Come on, this is a moment. The Holy Spirit is drawing your heart in right now. today singing oh jesus at your name we bow the knee oh jesus at your name we bow the knee and acknowledge oh you as the lord jesus at your name
He makes all things new. He makes all things new.